This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. This episode of Green and Gold History is presented by New Era. New Era Cap is proud to be the official cap of your Oakland athletics. Next time you visit the Coliseum, be sure to drop by the New Era Cap stand and pick up your A's New Era Authentic Collection Cap. Remember, you can always visit us at neweracap.com to shop our latest selection, including our limited edition and exclusive drops. New Era Cap, the official on-field cap of Major League Baseball. Hi again, everyone. This is Vince Catronio. Hope you've enjoyed the top 50 countdown of Oakland's greatest games in their history. We're past the halfway point now. Most recently, number 25 was Shamanaya's magical no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox in 2018. Number 24 was the night that Barry Zito stared down Roger Clemens in the ALDS back in 2000. Number 23 was heartbreak in 2014, the wild card game against the Kansas City Royals. Number 22, one game away from a three-peat winning the World Series. It was game four of the 1974 World Series with Ken Holtzman on the mound against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And number 21, Dave Stewart brings the A's back to the Fall Classic. It's game four of the ALCS in 1988 against the Boston Red Sox. Games number 25 through 21 as we continue our countdown of the greatest games in Oakland history. The 2018 season belonged to the Boston Red Sox. A near wire-to-wire finish with 108 wins and a World Series title over the Los Angeles Dodgers. The A's, meanwhile, have been without postseason baseball since 2014. But another patented second-half push vaulted Oakland to 97 wins and a wild-card berth against the Yankees. So on April 21, 2018, you had an idea where the Red Sox were heading, but the 9-11 Athletics? Not so sure. But on that Saturday night, with a couple of twists and turns, Sean Manaya gave Oakland and its fans something to remember. And that game, the night Manaya no-hit the Red Sox, is number 25 on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. The Red Sox entered the game with a 17-2 record, including a 7-3 Friday night victory against the A's. Manaya had one of the league's best starts in April, allowing only five runs in nearly 28 innings and gave an early sign he was ready for the challenge from the first inning. Now the one-two pitch by Manaya and Martinez swings and misses on a fastball away, and Manaya comes back, strikes out Ramirez, strikes out Martinez, and he keeps the Red Sox off the board with the A's coming up in the bottom half. All-star left-hander Chris Sale was the opponent, so getting to him early would be key, and Jed Lowry answered the call in the bottom of the first. Jed Lowry, 10 multi-hit games, 32 hits, leads the big leagues, RBIs 22, leads everybody, and batting right, and lines one to left center, up the alley, and that's going through and going to the wall. Simeon around third, he can walk home. Jed Lowry is just simply blazing hot. 
His 33rd hit, his 23rd RBI, and the A's lead 1-0 in the bottom of the first. It's a two-base hit. With the Boston offense operating at full capacity, one run wasn't going to be enough, one would think. So Stephen Piscotty kept the pressure on in the third, facing Sale. One-two. Fastball hit toward right center field. On the run, Betts still going. Can't get it. It's by him. It's up on the wall. Simeon streaking to third. Waved home by Williams. Here's the relay to the plate. The slide, and Marcus is in safely. An RBI double for Stephen Piscotty, and the A's double their lead to 2-0. No hits allowed and seven strikeouts through four for Manaya. If you believe the notion that the game's first hit should be a clean one, and the fifth inning presented a play that needed closer scrutiny with Sandy Leone at the plate batting for the Red Sox. Here's the 0-1 pitch on the way, and that swung on in a high fly ball. Shallow left center going out. Simeon over the shoulder, bobbles and can't hold on, and Leone is safe at first. And that is rolled in E6 by the official scorer, Art Santa Domingo. So the no-hitter stayed intact, and the A's already leading 2-0 in the bottom of the inning turned to Marcus Simeon, to keep adding on against Sale. Now the 1-1 pitch by Chris Sale is swung on, hit to left field, hit deep, Benintendi back, turning around, and he will watch it fly! And Simeon has hit it out. 3 nothing A's in the bottom of the fifth. Number two for Marcus on the year, and he scored all three runs. More drama to keep the special night going occurred at the top of the sixth with Andrew Benintendi up. And this took a keen eye from the dugout to give an assist on the play. And the 0-2 delivery is swung on a tap down the first baseline, rolling and rolling. Taken Olsen, tries to tag Benintendi, and he can't. And Benintendi is safe at first, and that'll be the first hit tonight for the Red Sox. Now the plate umpire Wendell says, going to talk to Alex Cora. And now the A's are going off the field. The A's are walking off the field, and apparently they've ruled that Benintendi was out of the baseline. Sean Manaya has thrown six innings of no-hit baseball against the Red Sox. I don't think there's anything that Wendell could say right now to mollify Mr. Cora. Maintaining focus throughout this game was crucial for Manaya, knowing the quick strike ability of Boston. Two plays that could have ended the no-hit chance went Oakland and Manaya's way. Now it was time to push forward toward the finish line, which Sean did ending the top of the eighth inning with his tenth strikeout of the night against Jackie Bradley Jr. And here's the pitch by Manaya. Swung on and missed. Got it with a slider. Sean Manaya, eight innings of no-hit baseball at the Coliseum on this Saturday night against the Boston Red Sox, the hottest team in baseball. In the ninth, Manaya got two quick outs on three pitches, but then a walk to Benintendi brought Handley Ramirez to the plate. One more out to go for Sean to reach Oakland pitching history. As it turns out, he was ready for his moment. And this will be a 2-0 pitch. And it's on the way, and it's swung on a ground ball to short. Simeon's got it, throws to second for the first, and Sean Benaya has no hit the Red Sox. And the A's vault out of the dugout. Here they come in from the bullpen, and they're mobbing Manaya just to the left of the pitcher's mound at the Coliseum in Oakland. The seventh no-hitter in Oakland Athletics history. It comes on the 21st of April, 2018. Manaya's catcher that night was Jonathan Lucroy, who didn't sign with the A's until mid-spring training. Eight big league seasons and two all-star games on his resume, but this, this night, 
it meant everything to Lucroy. As a catcher, that's just exactly like what I've always dreamed about is like, you know, being able to call a perfect game. I mean, he didn't shake me off one time. Now, I can't take credit for it. He executed every pit. Most of the pitches he executed. You know what I mean? And I tell you what, it's just uh, all the work you do inside watching video and then a pitcher goes out and applies it for you and executes. I tell you what, it's... Uh, it's a great feeling. I'm, I'm so humbled to be a part of it, man. It's just a really special thing, especially, especially against a lineup like that over there. I mean, wow. After the game, Manai explained at what point he realized the possibility of what could happen on the field that night against the Red Sox. Whenever Marcus dropped that ball, and you know, I, I just automatically assumed it was a hit. So for a couple of innings, I, uh, you know, I just had no idea that, you know, I still had no hitter going, and uh, I looked up in the seventh or eighth, and I looked, saw there were zeros, and I was like. What? You know, why, why is there still zero up there? So from that point on, you know, it was just like any other game and, and uh, you know, just executing pitches and trying to trying to stay calm. And then when the eighth and ninth came, uh, I had to do a lot of uh, <laughs> slow breathing and everything I could uh, to calm everything down. What a game for Sean Manaya stopping baseball's best offense in its tracks. A masterful performance, no-hitting Boston on April 21st, 2018. Game number 25 on our top 50 countdown of the greatest games in Oakland history. It had been a long time coming. The Athletics were in the midst of a long playoff drought, which finally ended in 2000, nearly a decade since their last October appearance. In the division series, the Ace faced the New York Yankees, splitting the first two games of a best of five at Oakland and losing game three in New York. Facing elimination, the Ace turned to 22-year-old left-hander Barry Zito, who made his major league debut that season in July against five-time Cy Young Award winner, Roger Clemens. That night in the Bronx, October 7th, 2000, is game number 24 on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. Part pitching coach and part Svengali, Rick Peterson, takes us to moments before the first pitch. And for the laid-back San Diego native Zito, it wasn't as pressure-filled as you might think. So we're sitting next to each other in Yankee Stadium. It's about, you know, it's probably like 40 minutes before the game. And, you know, so I'm start, I start talking. You know, here he is. This is his first playoff start, you know, in his first season, half season in the big league. And he's pitching against his idol, Roger Clemens, right? So I'm talking to him, you know, on the bench. We're sitting in the, on, the, on the bench in Yankee Stadium. I'm trying, like, I'm trying to relax him, right? As I'm talking to him, he's like doing this panoramic view a Yankee Stadium, looking around Yankee Stadium, right? And I realized he's not listening to a freaking word I'm saying, right? <laughs> he just looked and he's taking this whole thing in and then he turned and he hits me, like kind of taps me on the arm and he looks me, we look dead in the eye. We're sitting about 12 inches away from each other, right? He goes, oh my God, Rick, I've dreamt about this my whole life. Are you kidding me? Setting the scene for the national television audience is Hall of Famer Joe Morgan with a scouting report on what Barry hoped to accomplish against the Yankees. You see that 195 opponent's batting average. That tells you that he has great stuff. And he has three good pitches, a good fastball, and great overhand curveball, and he also throws a change. And he says that he can win if he can get two of those pitches over. And he said he'll be great if he can get all three over. So we'll see how, what kind of control he has of all three pitches. And the game was underway at the intimidating old Yankee Stadium where it was loud and the fans felt like they were right on top of you. One way to silence the crowd was to score early. Following first inning walks to Terrence Long and Jason Giambi, Almedo Signs was ready to make that happen. 
There's a swing and a drive. Blast to the deep left field, and there's your home run. A three-run blast by Olmedo Signs on Clemens' first pitch to him in the first inning. The A's are up three to nothing in the Bronx. Zito was unfazed by the moment and what was on the line. What helped was the Athletics adding on to chase Clements from the game in the top of the sixth, trying to keep the game close. Ben Grieve extended the Oakland lead even further as Skip Carey describes on TBS, spelling the end of the Rockets' night versus the A's. When you're a hitter in this position, you have to try to get the ball in the air. You try to lift it. Base hit, three of these run in infield. One run is in. Another runner is going to try. Here's the throw to the plate. He is safe, and it's five to nothing. Meanwhile, through the game, Zito did have the pitches working. There may not be much excitement in Carey's voice, but trust me, the Yankee hitters were all twisted up in this montage of his strikeouts. There's a great curveball. That takes care of justice, one away. And he looks like he's having a good time doing it. Hill is out on strike. Two and two, the count. Yeah, that's the equalizer right there. When he gets you looking for the curveball, he throws that fastball, and you just do not have time to decide whether it's a strike or not. Doesn't get much better than that in New York. Beautiful. This, this kid is, he's on top of his game. I mean, that curveball is, we haven't seen anyone put it in play. Barry pitched five and two-thirds, allowing only one run with five Ks, and gave way to the bullpen, which allowed only one more hit the rest of the way. Meanwhile, the A's didn't stop scoring and closed out a four-run top of the ninth with Bo Porter at the plate against an aging Dwight Gooden. Trying to stick a few pins in the balloon. There's a bouncing ball, slowly hit to third, bare hand pickup attempt, Brocious can't come up with it, safe at first base, Bo Porter. I think it'll be an infield hit. In from third base with the fourth run of the inning is Chavez, and it is now 11-1 Athletics. Doug Jones put the finishing touches on the night in the bottom of the ninth, setting up a return to the Bay Area. And the pitch on the way, a swing and a fly ball into shallow right, a low pop up, Manichino out, he has it! Manichino in front of the home folks makes the final put out on a pop fly to second base in the bottom of the ninth inning. The Yankees leave a runner on, and now they will leave with the A's on accompanying flights across the nation, and tomorrow, at 5 o'clock Pacific time at the net in Oakland, the A's and the Yankees will battle it out to see who wins this series. The Athletics have even it tonight, scoring three on a signs homer in the first, three more in the sixth, and then building to a final of 11 to 1. So the rookie outdueled the idol as Barry Zito kept the A's postseason hopes alive, beating Roger Clemens and the Yankees 11-1 in game four of the American League Division Series. And that game comes in at number 24 on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. It had all the drama of a heavyweight fight. Two teams punching back and forth, unwilling to give in. The A's had the lead, lost it, got it back, and lost it one final time. The American League wildcard game in 2014 between the A's and the Royals on September 30th is number 23 on our top 50 list. John Lester was acquired in late July specifically for this reason, his postseason pedigree. 
He was on the mound for the A's, facing James Big Game Shields, the ace of the Royals. Oakland jumped ahead in the first inning behind the bat of all-star Brandon Moss. Here's the 0-1 pitch on the way, and Moss swings and drives one to right, way back. Aoki will turn and watch it fly, and the A's take a 2-0 lead on a first-inning home run by Brandon Moss, and no doubt about it. And that ball was crushed. Wow, what a shot by Brandon Moss. The Royals, in the postseason for the first time since 1985, were determined to re-enter October baseball with gusto. And veteran Billy Butler quickly helped KC grab some momentum for the Coffin Stadium faithful. Three balls and one strike. He's lead 2-0, we're in the bottom of the first. And the Royals have runners at first and second. And the pitch to Billy Butler is swung on line to left, down the line, a base hit. Full cuts it off. Around third to score is Ioki. Going to third is Hosmer. Holding it first with a single is Billy Butler. And the A's lead is 2-1. to one. With the game tied 2-2 in the bottom of the third, Kansas City turned to a team leader in Eric Hosmer, who made his major league debut facing the A's in 2011. He may have had a down year offensively, but this chance at the postseason was something he would grab, even facing the left-hander Lester. 2-2 game, a swing and a soft pop and a shallow left. This is trouble. Here comes Foldy, can't get it. Takes it on a bounce, has to throw to second. Kane's around third. He scores, and the Royals take their first lead of the night, 3-2. Eric Hosmer just dunked one into left field. And the Royals with their great speed and the left-hand batters getting on base against John Lester have taken the advantage, 3-2. It was this A's team that had the confidence of excelling in pennant races, reaching the postseason for the third consecutive season. Part of their DNA was the collection of baseball players all pulling from the same side of the rope, as evidence with seven All-Stars selected from Oakland that season. Moss again stepped to the plate in the sixth, as Ned Yost removed shields for hard-throwing rookie Jordano Ventura. Brandon gave him a rude reception to the postseason. He's homeward and lined into a double play. Here's the pitch by Ventura. Swung on it, hit the deep center field. Kane going back, still going back, turning around. He will wow. watch, and Moss has done it again. A three-run shot to center field, and that jumps the A's back into the lead. Moss has all the RBIs, and it's 5-3 to three in favor of the A's. Wow. I thought the first one was deep, partner. <laughs> That Dead center field. Wow. The A's weren't done in the sixth, building a larger lead, thanks in part to Coco Crisp. Herrera from the stretch, and now the pitch to Coco, and that swung on line to center for a base hit. Here's Norris to third. He's around third. The throw comes back to the infield, and the A's lead 7-3. to three. And now it's a huge top of the sixth inning for the green and goal. Stopping in second with Sogard. Coco comes through. Five runs in the inning for the A's. But no lead is safe until the end, especially in the postseason, and the Royals would not quit. Lester left the game in the eighth with a 7-4 lead, giving way to Luke Gregerson. Billy Butler, in his last season with Kansas City, kept the team in the fight with an RBI single. And then, two pitches later, with Alex Gordon at the plate, Things got even tighter. And the 0-1 pitch to Alex Gordon is on the way. And Gordon checks up. It's in the dirt. It gets away. It goes back to the screen. It's a 7-6 game. Do you believe this? Hosmer scored from third. Gore goes to third. And now the A's lead is one run in the bottom of the eighth inning. And the tying run is 90 feet away. 
Sean Doolittle tried to hold the lead in the bottom of the ninth and sent Oakland to the division series. But again, the Royals chipped away. Former A Josh Willingham opened the ninth with a single, and Terrence Score was bunted to second, stole third, the sixth stolen base of the ninth for Kansas City, and Nori Aoki stepped in. One out in the ninth, runner at third. The pitch to Aoki is swung on, hit the deep right. Reddick is going back, still going back, and he's going to make a running catch over the shoulder on the track. But Taggy from third to score is Dyson, and the ball game is tied up at 7-7. Nine innings of high drama, and nothing was decided in the city of Fountains. And it continued that way until the 12th, when for the A's, Alberto Cayaspo came off the bench and gave the A's the lead one more time. Frazier's 1-2 pitch, swung on line to left field, and the A's are back in front. Reddick crosses home plate, Cayaspo delivers the RBI base hit, and it's 8-7 Oakland. Lucky hit number 13 for the A's. Dan Otero was in a second inning of relief in the bottom of the 12th to try and finish off the Royals. After an Eric Hosmer triple, seldom used infielder Christian Colon grabbed his piece of Royals history. Here's the 1-0. Swung a chop toward third. Charging as Donaldson. Has no play. Sliding in head first as Hosmer. And we're tied again. Oakland 8, Kansas City 8. An infield chopper, a base hit at an RBI for Christian Colon. This is unbelievable. Then Bob Melvin turned to Jason Hamill to face Salvador Perez. Cologne swiped the seventh base of the night for Kansas City, getting him to second. And then in a back and forth game of emotion on both sides, the 385th pitch of the night gave Perez a way to end it. 2-2, it's the slider pulled to third, diving is Donaldson, he can't get it. Around third is Cologne, and the Royals will meet the Angels in the American League Division Series. He hooked the breaking ball just inside the line, past the diving effort of Josh Donaldson. And this epic game between the A's and the Royals has come to a conclusion. Perez drives in the run, Cologne is home, and the Royals win it 9-8. A gut-wrenching four hours and 45 minutes for Oakland. Three leads lost, and the Royals advanced into the postseason. An excruciating way to end a season, but that was the result on September 30th, 2014, the wild card playoff game against the Royals, game 23 on our top 50 countdown of Oakland's greatest games. By the time the Athletics reached the 1974 World Series against the Los Angeles Dodgers, Oakland had won back-to-back -back World Series titles, their fourth consecutive postseason, while LA had been to October since being swept by the Baltimore Orioles in the 1966 Fall Classic. This was the first All-West Coast Series. And while the A's featured homegrown pitching talent like Catfish Hunter, Vida Blue, Blue Moon Odom, and Raleigh Fingers, left-hander Ken Holtzman, who came to the A's from the Cubs prior to 1972, proved to be just as strong as any, and his performance in Game 4 on October 16th of the 74 World Series is number 22 on our Top 50 countdown. Oakland led the best of seven series two games to one when they took to the field on a Wednesday night at the Coliseum. Holtzman had a no decision in Game 1, a 3-2 win over 20-game winner Andy Messersmith, and they faced off yet again. Scoreless in the third, Holtzman, not overpowering but deceptive, was facing Davey Lopes. He's picking up. 
to throw an off-speed pitch in a situation where a fly ball could hurt him, but Holtzman has such a good one and hides it so well, he throws it a lot on two strikes in this situation. The designated hitter rule was adopted by the American League prior to the 1973 season, but didn't enter postseason play until 1976. So American League pitchers didn't swing a bat in a game all season. But that apparently didn't phase Holtzman in the bottom of the third. After not batting all year long, and a lot of people who are not acquainted with the American League designated hitter rule wonder about the pitchers if they ever get to do any hitting during the season. And the answer is yes, every day when they're at home, they have about 30 minutes in the cage just for the pitchers. And it's their, I believe, favorite time of the day. He's been quite a World Series hitter. That ball's hit well. It is carrying, and there she goes. The A's lead didn't last very long. In the fourth, with two out and two Dodgers on base, light-hitting shortstop Bill Russell came up big for L.A. There's a drive to right center. Jackson going deep. He can't get it. It goes between them. The Dodgers are going to get two. Jackson holding the ball. Russell's on his way to third. North finally gets it back in. And the Dodgers lead two to one. The game stayed tied until the bottom of the sixth. Both starters still in the game. The Dodgers then face Sal Bando, hitless in the series. In the five-game win, Captain Sal had only one hit, and it came at just the right time. Bando's been the spoiler. He's fouled off four or five in a row now. Here's the one-two pitch to him. He drills it in the right field, and they drop. But then, here's both Here's the title. Athletics grabbed the lead, but looked for more. After an intentional walk to Claudel Washington to load the bases, Alvin Dark went to his bench for Jim Holt, a seldom used pitch hitter acquired in August from Minnesota. During the regular season, he was only six for 42 at the plate for the A's. But against Messersmith, those numbers didn't matter one bit. Jim Holt will bat for Ray Fossey. Two balls, two strikes. Jager blocked the plate and hurt his knee. The 2-2 delivery. There's a base hit in the right field. And a scoring. Here comes Jackson. The throw is in safe. Jager searches the home plate umpire. Then Tinger. Paul Ralston coming out to argue. A strong throw by Joe Ferguson again. Jackson hits the dirt. And evidently eluded the tag. Oakland added another run in the frame to give them a 5-2 lead. Holtzman, who started game one of the 72, 73, and 74 World Series, pitched seven and two-thirds solid innings and contributed a two-run homer. Now it was Raleigh Fingers' turn to close it out, which he and the defense did in style in the ninth. They're trailing by three with Ron Say at first. Joshua's taking his time getting up there. Maybe a cat and mouse game making fingers wait for him. Now he backs out. 
Raleigh never knows what time it is anyway. He really doesn't care. There's Willie Crawford uh, by Walter Alston. And Willie's coming out to bat for Mike Marshall. There's a ball, Ram Green, up, one, go! Just hitters with fingers all moving away from the left-handed hitter. He was moving to his right before the ball was hit. And look at the great pivot by Camp Paneris. They play great fundamental baseball these open days. Well, that's how they now have a three-game to one lead. We'll be back. Again, the final score, the A's five and the Dodgers two. Oakland was on the verge of their third consecutive world title, and Ken Holtzman delivered the A's four spectacular years on the mound, was the one who led the way on this night, October 16th, 1974. Game four of the World Series, number 22 on our top 50 countdown. In the history of the athletics, dating back to its 1901 origins, only one team has won more regular season games than the 1988 A's, and that was back in 1931. The 88 version featured baseball's first ever 40 home run, 40 stolen base player in Jose Canseco. In his second full season, Mark McGuire clipped 32 long balls, and shortstop Walt Weiss completed the trilogy of back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back rookies of the year. A 104-win team with a coveted collection of offense, defense, and pitching. They rolled through the season, winning the West by 13 games, while their playoff opponent, the Boston Red Sox, narrowly beat Detroit by one game to continue their quest to erase the curse of the Bambino. In the American League Championship Series, Oakland outpitched the Sox in games one and two, winning two to one and four to three. And when they fell behind five nothing early in game three, just slugged their way to a 10-6 comeback win. It set up the chance on Sunday, October 9th, in front of 49,000 frenzied fans to send the A's back to the World Series for the first time since 1974. At its game 21 on our top 50 countdown of Oakland's greatest games. 21-game winner Dave Stewart and 18-win lefty Bruce Hurst faced off in game one and once again were paired together for game four. Stu quickly retired the game's first two batters, but then got in trouble with two walks and a single, setting up an early test facing Dwight Evans. There's equal pressure from both sides. The Red Sox have to score, and Stewart has to get him out. 2-2 to Evans, and he struck him out with the bases loaded. Dave Stewart gets out of a major jam. No score in the top of the inning. The A's coming to bat. One of Oakland's Bash brothers made an early entrance in the bottom of the first. Seiko was at the play with two outs in the first inning and got the A's on the board versus Hurst. And Seiko, right center field, ball is well hit, way back, way back, it's out of here! That is something that you did not want the Oakland A's to do if you were a Red Sox. 
Take a look at the swing. Jose stays right on the ball, drives right through it. You see him watch it all the way, even after he hits it. Right through that ball, driving it to right center field. He missed out on the fun last night, but he picked up on it tonight. Just the, as you say about the Oakland A's, they just do everything right. With a one nothing lead in the bottom of the third, the A's look to strike again as Weiss and Carney Lansford open the frame with back-to-back -back singles, sending Dave Henderson to the plate. Hendu, a Dos Palos native, came home that season as a free agent and put together his best season ever with a 304 average, 24 homers, and 94 RBIs. So this was a moment he probably had played out years ago in the backyard, and he wasn't going to miss it. 1-1 to Henderson. Left field, base hit. Weiss will make the turn. He's on his way home. And going to third base is Lanford, and in second with a double, an RBI double, is Dave Henderson. Here's the pitch, it's a fastball, mashed into left field, right down the line. Dave Henderson on the ball when they throw him the breaking ball. They throw him a fastball, he still stays on the ball. Swing it in the bat well, and the Oakland A's have it heading downhill in their direction. Meanwhile, Stu was taking charge on the mound. He led the league in 1988 with 275 innings and 14 complete games. Part of his seven strong innings that day was dominating future Hall of Famer Jim Rice in the fourth. No, there are certain times during your career when you need to make a change. Right. I think with this one year where Jimmy has fell off of his great career statistics, that maybe he needs to make an adjustment. But I think it's up for Jim Rice to say that and not for someone that never played the game. One and two to Jim Rice, and he struck him out. And Dave Stewart, true to his nickname of smoke, is throwing smoke. And he throws the ball right by Jim Rice in this situation. Stewart came out of the game after an eighth inning leadoff single by Ellis Burks. Tony LaRussa summoned Rick Honeycutt with a 2-1 lead to face Marty Barrett. Times were different back then, and Barrett had led the league in sacrifices for three consecutive years, giving the Sox a chance to push the tying run into scoring position. But after two strikes, Honeycutt had control of the at-bat, and the defense did the rest. Still at first. 1-2 on Barrett. Nobody down. Top of the eighth inning. 2-1 Oakland. Third base. Lansford's there. They got the force. The relay. Double play. Honeycutt eventually caved Mike Greenwell for the final out of the top of the eighth. The offense went back to work to build a bigger lead. That's where the other half of the Bash brothers, Mark McGuire, did his part. Sometimes a manager may want your hitter to take a shot to right field in a ball game like this because you can use an insurance run, but then a lot of managers think just the opposite. They want their big guys to drive in the run, so they let them swing away and just hit the ball wherever they can. They don't worry about shooting it to the right side. They may do that now with two strikes on it. Well, if he does it now, it'll be because Lee Smith makes it. Veteran Don Baylor added a sacrifice flight up the advantage to 4-1 as they went to the ninth. Dennis Eckersley, who led the league with 45 saves during the year, came on to close it out, and only Jody Reed stood in the way for Oakland to return to the Fall Classic. Two up. Back goes Gallego, and the Oakland 
Blues have won the American League pennant. And so for the first time in 14 years, this juggernaut A's team returned to the World Series with a four-game sweep of the Boston Red Sox. Game four of that ALCS, October 9th, 1988, is number 21 on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.